You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. There is nothing I enjoy more in life, absolutely nothing I enjoy more in life than winning. There's something about being first. There's something about being the fastest. There's something about being the best, right? The physiological release of the endorphins that you experience when you cross that finish line, right? Raising your hands up in the air in victory, right? Just just getting to the place where the achievement and the pursuit of being a champion is realized. For those of you who who are here tonight who can, uh, who understand what I'm talking about, you know what it feels like. There's no feeling in the world like winning. Now, I come across people all the time who say, you know, Stephen, winning isn't the only thing. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I politely agree with them. And I say, winning isn't the only thing. You're absolutely right. It's the only thing. (laughs) Winning is the only thing. Now, I know this is a little harsh, right, coming out of the gates at a 5 p.m. service, but I used to feel bad about hurting their feelings, right? Because I tell them winning is the only thing. They get all upset and they'd stomp off. And I used to feel bad until I realized that I wasn't hurting their feelings. Like it wasn't me hurting their feelings. It was the fact that my winner spirit was irritating their loser spirit. Now, go with me for a second here. (laughs) Go with me here for a second. Go with me, right? I, I want us to consider this thought for just a second tonight. The God of the universe, the God who created everything in the universe, who created every single one of us here in this place tonight, the God who bestowed upon us specific skills, talents, and abilities has never lost ever, never lost at anything, has never lost, period. Galatians 2.20 tells me that it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And what this tells me is that there is a spirit living inside of me that wants to win. The Bible is chock full of example after example of winners, right? Daniel wins against the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego win against the fiery furnace. Joshua wins against the pit, Potiphar's house, and the prison. Uh, I'm sorry, Joseph wins against uh, the pit, Potiphar's house, and prison. Joshua wins against the walled city of Jericho. Daniel wins against the giant, and Jesus wins against the gates of hell. There is a spirit that's living in every single one of those biblical heroes. It's the same spirit that's alive and well and living in us. And even Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, that it is to our benefit that he goes away so that he can send us a helper. Now, a helper to do what, pray tell? A helper to live a mediocre life? A helper to quit when times get hard? A helper to give up on our dreams? Of course not. Jesus died so that he could send us the Holy Spirit, our helper, to win in life. Luke, Jesus says in Luke 12, 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. You see, the Spirit is here to help us win in everything that we do. Win in our marriages, win in our businesses, win in our finances, win with our children, win in absolutely everything. We are right in the middle of our advanced series. We've been talking all month long about taking ground, about kicking the devil in the throat, about advancing in everything and the importance of vision and vision builders to expanding the territory of C3 San Diego. 
And if you've missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you tonight to go podcast them because they're phenomenal messages around what it takes to succeed as a Christian in the kingdom of heaven. But what I want to do tonight is talk about what happens when we don't feel like we're winning. What happens when we feel like we're retreating way more than we are advancing? What happens when we feel like we're losing way more in life than we are actually winning? The, mess, the title of my message tonight is Built to Win. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I am so desperate for your presence here in this place tonight. I am so desperate for an impartation of your Holy Spirit and the power that you bring. I pray that you would saturate this place tonight, Lord, from every corner, every crevice, every chair, every single person here would feel your power, your transformation, Father God. I pray that you would flow through me tonight, that it would not be my words that people hear, but it would be your words, your power, your presence to transform. Father God, I thank you for all of that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, so let's jump right into this. You guys ready? Everybody stretched out, brought your uh, seat belts. Fasten in, let's go. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy. We're gonna start in chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. Give me a shout out when you get there. Woo, woo. Guys there, you guys are fast. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12 says, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. It is exceedingly obvious from this particular scripture that God is so for us winning. Think about what we just read. God is going to open up the heavens over us so that we can walk under an open heaven. God is going to send the rain on our land when it's, when it's due season. God is going to bless all the works of our hands. He's gonna make us the, the lender and not the borrower. He's gonna make us the head and not the tail. He's going to make us the, the above only and not beneath. This is a perfect picture and a perfect re representation of what it looks like to win in life. But truth be told, this is the exact opposite of what I've been seeing in 2019. In full transparency, and I'm gonna get really real here, in full transparency, 2019 for my business has utterly and completely sucked. <laughs> I have to say it with a smile so I don't cry on stage. Right, 2019 for my business has utterly and completely sucked. And I'm gonna tell you right now that it has never been as hard in my business as it is today. I've never struggled as much to grow my business as I'm struggling right now. I have never had a harder time uh, with clients than I am right now. I have never felt more like the heavens have been shut over. I have never felt more like I've been uh, the borrower. I've never felt more like the, uh, the tail and I've never felt more like I've been under than I am right now. And I can tell you this, I joke all the time that as an entrepreneur, I've made myself unemployable. Meaning because of the fact that I've tasted what it feels like to be my own boss, I would never work for anybody again. 
But I can tell you this, I resolved not too long ago that because it was so hard, I dusted off my resume and I actually applied for jobs that I thought I would be good at. That's how hard it's been in 2019. But thanks to some wise counsel in Deuteronomy 28, I've stopped all that talk about quitting. And although I'm not out of the woods yet, what I do have is a very clear path forward of what I need to do when I feel like I'm losing in life way more than I am winning. Now I have a clear path forward of what I need to do, what I need to remember when I feel like there's more losing going on in my business and in my life than there is winning. And that's what I wanna share with you tonight. Let me give you three things that we must remember when we feel like we are losing in life more than we are winning. And we feel like we are treating in life more than we are advancing. The very first thing that I want to bring to our attention comes from Deuteronomy 28 in verse 12, where God says that he has created us to be lenders and not borrowers. He has created us to be lenders and not borrowers. Now, when most of us think about this scripture in this passage, we automatically think about money, right? It makes sense. Lending and borrowing, it absolutely makes sense. But it goes so much deeper than just money. Because here's the thing. We cannot lend what we don't already have, right? Now, go with me even deeper. We cannot lend what we don't have an abundance of. Right, that's what it really comes down to is we can't lend out uh, if we don't have an abundance of something. If my bank account has $2,000 in it and I need to pay rent and you come to me and ask me to borrow money, even though I've got $2,000 in my account, because I don't have an abundance, I can't lend it to you. What this scripture is telling us is that we need to be in a place where we're having an abundance so that we can lend to others and not borrow. So here I am reading the scripture and I'm having it out with God. In my quiet time, I'm going for it. I'm letting him know that I'm not happy with the current situation. I'm being real, right? This is real talk. I'm letting God know I am unhappy with what my 2019 is looking like. I have borrowed way more than I should. I can't lend because I don't have an abundance. And I'm screaming and I'm yelling and I'm frustrated and I'm stressed out. And I'm telling God, God, I wanna be a lender. I wanna be this person that you created to be. I see needs all around me. You can trust me that when I have it, I am going to give. You know I'm good for it, God. And the entire time I'm stressed out and the entire time I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm looking at the situation and I'm saying, I don't have an abundance to pour into anybody around me. And this is how good God is. After my temper tantrum, after my temper tantrum subsides, he pulls me aside and he says, look, son, this is what I need you to see. Everything that you're asking for from an abundance perspective comes from me. You see, it's God who opens up the heavens over his people. It's God who sends rain into season to fall on our land. It's God who blesses the works of our hands. I found myself in the role of a borrower more than I should simply because of the fact that I was trying to open up the heavens in my own power. I was trying to make it rain on my own business. I was trying to bless the works of my hand out of my own power out of my own power. And this is what God showed me in this particular part. You see, when we get to a place where God is able to move mightily in and through us, 
then he's able to bless us no matter where we are at. I can tell you from firsthand experience that when we try to do things in our own strength, it only makes matters worse. When we try to do things in our own power, it only makes the situations worse. Every one of us here tonight has a choice to make. We are either going to let God be God or we're going to try to do it on our own. I can tell you right now, doing it on our own will only make things worse. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. The second thing I want us to remember tonight is the fact that God made us the head and not the tail. God made us to be the head and not the tail. Out of all the things that a head can do that a tail cannot, the most powerful thing is speak. Now, we all know people who talk out of their tails way more than they should. But there is power, there is power found in the tongue. Uh, Genesis 1, God spoke things into existence. He spoke the world into existence. Proverbs 18 says that there is death and life in the power of the tongue. God set us apart as the head and not the tail so that we could speak into our circumstances, so we could praise him with our words, so we could prophesy over the things that are, are coming against us. This last month, I seriously felt like I was going through a midlife crisis. I'm 44 years old, so it fits, right? 44 years old, midlife crisis. I had an identity crisis about who I was in God's kingdom. Now, this whole on uh, midlife crisis was, was real in my mind, right? Minus the motorcycle that most men buy when they go through midlife crisis, because for those of you who know my wife, she won't let me buy a motorcycle. So this midlife crisis I was going through where I was questioning my identity in Christ. I was questioning the fact that God loved me. I was questioning the fact that I was on the right track. I was questioning the fact that I was doing what God called and created me to do. For an entire month and a half, all I did was mope around the house. And some of you here tonight, you have been on the receiving end of the woe is me train and the woe is me party that I brought to the table. I talked about how stressed out I was. I talked about how frustrated I was, how hard business was, how much of a challenge it was. I talked about how I just wanted to quit, how I wanted to let it all go, how I wanted to go back to corporate America because in my mind, corporate America was much easier than having to plant seed, harvest, do all the hard work to make my business flourish and thrive. But then God, again, in his grace and in his mercy, arrested my heart. And he reminded me of something that Pastor Jurgen once said. Pastor Jurgen once said that whether we realize it or not, we are always prophesying. Whether we realize it or not, we are always prophesying. Any and every time we open our mouths, we are either building ourselves up or we are tearing ourselves down. Every and any time we open our mouths, we are either creating our lives or we are destroying our lives. For a month and a half, all I did was talk about quitting. All I did was talk about the struggle. All I did was talk about how hard things had gotten. So what do you think I saw? Exactly. All I saw was how hard it was. That's when God arrested my heart and I shifted my tongue. And immediately things in my business started to shift. Now, am I out of the woods? Not completely. But what's most important is my perspective has shifted. 
You see, instead of speaking about the problems, I'm now speaking about the promises. Instead of speaking about how hard things are, I'm speaking about the fact that it's God who opens up the heavens. It's God who sends the rain. It's God who blesses my hands, makes me uh, the lender and the head and, and above only. It's God who does these things. So even though the situations haven't shifted yet, my perspective has, my tongue has, my declarations have, my prophesying has, and that's the only thing that matters, is the fact that I am now in a place where instead of speaking about my problems, I'm speaking about the promises. Amen? Amen. The third thing that I want us to remember when we get to a place where we feel like we're losing way more in life than we should is the fact that God made us to be above only and not beneath. Psalm 119 says, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. You see, God created us to take dominion over our iniquity, dominion over every aspect of our lives, every circumstance, every situation, every struggle, every single thing that we're faced with, God created us to take dominion over, uh, over that area. And as you can probably tell from everything that I've shared tonight, I did everything this year except for take dominion. I did everything this year except for uh, tap into the authority of Christ that is in me. I did everything except speak about who I am in Christ and I made it way too easy for the enemy to push me aside and for my opposition to take me out of a place of authority, take me out of a place of, of the, the kingdom that I am and the heir to the, uh, to the throne room of God. There is a very real reason that we have to live above only and not beneath. There is a very real reason that we have to live above only and not beneath. And this is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You see, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence because there's very real opposition trying to prevent it from advancing, trying to prevent it from taking ground, trying to prevent the kingdom of heaven from winning. There is a very real opposition trying to prevent all of that from happening. And heaven's solution to that violent opposition is to raise up men and women who are more violent than the opposition that's coming against us. That is why we need to live above only and not beneath. Make no mistake, when we are the lender and not the borrower, the, the, your opposition will come against you and tell you that you have nothing to give. We'll try to take everything that you have to prevent you from seeing who you truly are in God. When you are the lender and, and, and not the borrower, your opposition will try to take everything that you have and make you believe that you're only good for begging for scraps and leftovers. Make no mistake, when you are the head and not the tail, your opposition will do everything in its power to put lies in your mouth to make you believe that you are less than who you are in God and to make you believe that you don't matter to the kingdom of heaven. Make no mistake, when you are above only and not beneath, the opposition will do everything in its power to try to take you from that position of authority and to place you under its dominion instead of us placing 
it over ours. In Jesus' name, there are things that we have to remember and things that we have to recognize in our lives where God has equipped us with the Holy Spirit. God has equipped us with tools to win. It's up to us to swing the hammer. It's up to us to swing the ax. It's up to us to pick up the shield. It's up to us to do what we need to do in order to win with the tools that God has given us. Hindsight being what it is, right? Hindsight being 2020, I can easily see how I abdicated my role and my authority over the last five months. I can easily see how I let uh, issues of shame and issues of frustration and issues of stress take me out of a place where I was, uh, again, a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven. I can easily see how I stepped aside and I let the opposition railroad me into thinking that my best days were behind me. For every single one of us here, it's important to recognize that being in a place where we are walking under an open heaven and being in a place where God is able to send rain on our land in due season and being in a place where God is blessing the works of our hands requires us to take dominion over every aspect of our lives. This is what I learned along this journey. And I would, be, I would be lying to you if I said I was completely done with this journey. This is a process that I'm still dealing with. This is a process that I'm still going through. But one of the most important things that I've realized in this journey is the fact that in order for us to live above only and not beneath, we can't do that absent of being the head. We can't do that being absent of the lender. So you have to understand that in order to be above, we have to speak truth into our circumstances. In order to live above only and not beneath, we have to prophesy into the circumstances. No matter how, how challenging they are, no matter how, how big the struggle is, we have to be able to prophesy into that thing. That's what unlocks our ability to live above only and not beneath. You see, we can't live above only and not beneath if we aren't in a place where we're tapping into the abundance of God. You see, when we tap into the abundance of God, he allows us to have dominion over those things in our lives because it's from our abundance that we're able to bless. It's from our abundance that we're able to take ground. It's from our abundance that we're able to take force from the enemy. This is what I'm learning more and more through this journey that I'm on. Again, I'm learning just as much as everybody else how to be the lender, how to be the head, and how to be above only and not beneath. This is something that I'm walking out as we speak. And every single day I have to remind myself, this is the process that we need to go through. First Kings, uh, First Kings chapter 19, verse 11 reads, Then God said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. You see, I let the chaos of my business, the chaos of my life speak louder than God's truth. I let the chaos and everything that was going on around me speak louder than God's promises. What I love about 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12 is the fact that it reminds us that God is not in the chaos. He's carried on what some translations describe as a delicate whisper. 
We have to get to a place where we're no longer giving focus and giving attention to the chaos in our lives. And we are leaning in close enough to hear the God of the universe when he whispers in our ear. This is what I'm learning and I'm developing along the way. It's important for us to recognize that the chaos is designed not to destroy us, it's designed to develop us. You see, I mistook all of the destruction that was going on around me. I, I mistook all of the chaos that was around me for destruction when in reality, it was God developing me. We oftentimes lose in life simply because of the fact that we see the destruction around us and the chaos around us and we quit too early. We have to recognize that it's not sent to destroy us, it's sent to develop us. It's not sent to, uh, to kill us and hurt us, it's sent to strengthen us and get our muscles and get, our, and get us to a place where God can do great and mighty things through us. You see, so many of us are in a place where there's disaster around us and all we're seeing is the struggle and all we're seeing is the obstacles, and all we're seeing is the problems. What I'm here tonight to do is encourage you to instead of seeing the disaster, see what God is trying to develop in you. You see, Daniel was built to win, but he was developed in the lion's den. Joseph was built to win, but he was developed in the pit in Potiphar's house and in prison. Joshua was built to win, but he was developed in his obedience and walking around the walled city of Jericho. David was built to win, but he was developed against the battle against Goliath. We are built to win, and the chaos that's around us isn't there to destroy us. It's there to develop us. Can somebody say amen? Today is a day for us to recognize that God absolutely loves us. Today is the day to recognize how much he truly loves us. Today is the day to recognize that he is truly for us. Today is the day to recognize that God is so for us that he goes before us, that he makes our crooked paths straight. Today is the day to recognize how much God loves every single one of us here tonight. And I'm gonna end on this. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. We will reap if we do not lose heart. For the last few months, I had lost heart. For the last few months, I was ready to give up. I felt like I was on my last last rope. I was at the end of my rope. I was ready just to call it quits. Literally had resolved in my heart to let go of the business that God blessed me with because it got hard. I was ready to let go of the business that God laid into my lap because it was a struggle to build. I was ready to let go of the promise that God put on my heart to build an organization and build a company that could speak into organizations across this nation and across the globe, simply because of the fact that it was hard. I had lost heart and I was about to lose my opportunity to reap. And if it weren't for great mentorship, and if it weren't for the Word of God, and if it weren't for God speaking directly to me in His still small voice, I might have let go of it completely. But tonight I can tell you that I am the product of a faithful God. 
I am the product of a God who loves me and is for me and goes before me. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt that the seeds that I am planting here and now will produce a harvest that I will be able to partake in and reap when the time is right. Because no matter how big the challenge looks, no matter how big the obstacle is, I serve a God who is faithful to his word, who is faithful to his promise, who is faithful to doing what he said he would do. In just a moment, I am going to ask the ministry team to come forward because I want to spend a little bit of time tonight praying for two different groups of people. I want to pray for those who are tired tonight. I wanna pray for those who are tired tonight. You've been toiling, you've got a promise on your heart and you feel like it's been years and years since God gave you that promise and you feel like you're not making any progress or any headway. I wanna pray for you tonight. And I also wanna pray for the second group of people who have given up on their dreams. If you are in this place tonight and you've given up on your dreams because it got too hard, I can tell you that we serve a God of resurrection. Not only did he raise people from the dead, he can raise our dreams from the dead as well. And it is not too late. So in just a second, I'm gonna ask the ministry team to come forward. But tonight is the night for a refreshing in our spirits. Tonight is a night where we can come and just let God minister to our hearts, minister to our souls, minister to the things that we've been doing, the things that we have been up against. Because this is real life. What I'm dealing with right now is real life. 2019 for my business has utterly sucked. I was on the verge of just giving it all up because I didn't wanna deal with it. But Deuteronomy 28 reminded me of how good God is. Deuteronomy 28 and some really wise counsel reminded me of how much God truly loves me. And that's what I want to pray over you tonight. So if the ministry team could come forward, I'm gonna pray just over everyone. And if you're here tonight and you are in one of those two categories, the ministry team up here is going to pray with you, pray for you, pray over you. But Father God in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your grace and for your favor and for every single person in this room tonight. Lord, I thank you right now that you are a faithful God. I thank you that you are a God of promotion, that you are a God of increase, that you are a God of second chances, of third chances, of a hundred chances. Father God, I thank you that there is no place that is too far for us to come back to the promises that you have given to each and every one of us. And Lord, you know the hearts of every single person here tonight. You know the struggles that they've been dealing with. You know that they've been ready to give, lose heart and give up and not reap the harvest that you have blessed them with. And I pray right now, Father God, that they would come to a place where they would come to the altar and receive that refreshing, receive that joy, receive that peace and receive that comfort. Lord, I thank you for all of that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.